This is the Joyful Weight Loss Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Wells, MD. Listen in each week, and I'll share from science and scriptures that encourage you in how to cultivate healthy habits so you can lose extra weight and gain more health while cultivating joy. Be sure you are following the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, let's dive into this week's topic. Hello and welcome back. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, We have had a cold blast here in South Carolina. So this weekend, I think it went as low as as 18 degrees where I live, which is definitely a lot lower than we're used to. So I decided this week I want to go back and review and look into all the most recent data about exercise and the benefits it has to the brain. Um, Sometimes when it's this cold outside, it's hard to get moving. It's hard to go outside and go for a walk or run. So looking back over the reasons I do it helps me stay motivated to continue and to set goals for this new year and surrounding um, what kind of exercise and how frequent I do it and that kind of thing. So I wanted to share that with y'all today. Um, And today, speaking of today, I am moving my release date to Tuesday mornings, and it's going to be an every other week release schedule for new episodes. Um, So stay tuned to that just so you know what to expect and when. And all that being said, let's move into today's episode. This information is for educational and informational purposes only and solely as a self-help tool for your own use. I am not providing medical, psychological, or nutrition therapy advice. You should not use this information to diagnose or treat any health problems or illnesses without consulting your own medical practitioner. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific health situation. For my full disclaimer, please go to www.joyfulweightloss.com forward slash disclaimer. Okay, so exercise is so often just thought about and talked about in relation to its ability to have incredible impact on decreasing our risks of different diseases, of of strokes, of heart attack, cardiovascular disease. And um, just a few episodes ago, I discussed the massive benefits in relation to the decreased risk of cancer um, and how that works um, from exercise. Um, and so we know these things. We know it helps with our overall health physically. Um, most people are pretty aware of those benefits. Um, we know it increases our muscular strength, increases our endurance, um, increases our ability to um, have less pain, lower pain levels because um, we've strengthened our muscles and moved more. Um, it tends to help with pain um, as well as helping us achieve better and optimal sleep. So when it comes to exercise, a lot of people can think about it kind of in what it does um, in relation to weight. And a lot of people are under the misconception that that's the biggest reason to exercise is to quote, lose weight. And and so, you know, that's kind of something I want to dispel today. Exercise may or may not have any impact on your weight. That's just the reality of um, what a lot of research tells us. It doesn't necessarily increase the rate or um, the amount of weight we lose if we're trying to lose weight. But what exercise does do is 
absolutely help people maintain weight loss once they have lost it. There are a lot of um, data sets that seem to um, show that association with weight maintenance um, being most um, possible to continue achieving in those who exercise regularly. So um, one of the things that, you know, this kind of false association with weight loss and exercise does is people kind of view exercise as something punitive. Um, they'll think of, oh, I ate a lot. I better go burn it off. I better go exercise. I better, you know, after Thanksgiving, people, I got to go, I got to go burn all that off. And and they just think about, and it, and it tends to be thought about in terms of it being a calorie burn, um, some kind of payback for overeating. And yes, in our culture, we definitely um, overall struggle with overeating. We have um, a food supply that disrupts our satiety signaling to our brain. And so overall, most Americans are overeating regularly. Um, and I'm definitely not going to discourage exercising, but to view it in such a punitive way is just not necessarily the most accurate way to look at it. It also doesn't really make you want to do it or enjoy it. So that's why today I'm going to focus on looking at the benefits that exercise brings to our brain. And I'm going to do that by talking about some some recent studies and some of the interesting things they reveal. Some of this information you might um, remember I've talked about before, um, but I kind of wanted to update it and look at it again and see what new um, data has come up in the last couple years. So the point here is to look at how much exercise can give us and do for us in terms of our brain health. Um, Some of the things we see impacted are our learning, our memory, our creativity. Um, Those things seem to be impacted because we have an increase in neuroplasticity, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, We also see that exercise is associated with an increase in the size of the brain. um, And specifically as people age, when the brain tends to atrophy um, or get smaller, we see that exercise tends to, um, you know, slow or stop that decrease in size that happens. And then also we see a benefit in mood and in mood disorders and things like depression and anxiety um, and the use of exercise in those conditions. We also see that brain diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's are mitigated. The cognitive decline is mitigated by exercise. So I'm going to get into the details of all that, but it's just suffice it to say, it's really clear that our brains love exercise. They love exercise. We are designed, our brain is designed for our body to move. Um, And so I've, you know, let's start with brain plasticity. I mentioned that I mentioned learning and memory and creativity. Brain plasticity um, is very much associated with our ability to learn our ability to um, learn new skills, to learn new, um, like speaking a language, learning music, just remembering people, remembering things, figuring out problems. Um, neuroplasticity, um, or, you know, some people call it brain plasticity. It's basically the ability of our nervous system to change what it does in response to stimuli either from within or from externally by reorganizing the actual structure of our brain, the functions of our brain, and the connections of our neural networks. So it's absolutely something that we want to cultivate. We want to have, you know, neuroplasticity. This is a good thing. Um, And one thing that definitely increases the plasticity of our brain, its ability to make new neural connections, and even make new neurons, is exercise. So how does exercise work to 
make it possible for our brain to do this? Well, we see when our heart rate increases, when we're exercising, we see an increase in oxygen delivery. That means we get more oxygen to our brain tissue because our heart rate is going faster. Okay. We also see there's an impact on the growth of blood vessels. So where there's more blood vessels, there's going to be more blood flow. There's going to be more nutrients going there. There's going to be more oxygen going there. So we're going to see an increase in brain plasticity because of that. We're going to see metabolic systems be impacted by exercise. And um, those metabolic systems um, will definitely impact the ability of our brain to function well. And we're going to see biochemical growth factors that are produced. And I'll talk about one of those growth factors in a minute. But all of those are routes through which exercise has an impact on brain health. Um, let's talk about creativity. There was a study, and I mentioned this, I've mentioned this several times in our in my podcast, but there was this great study of walking and creativity. Um, that was completed at Stanford University. And it looked at creativity and found an increase of creative output at 60% um, with walking, both during and also even after walking. Um, so a lot of that study was kind of widely publicized. And so since then, a lot of, of people in business and and um, other fields have really opted for walking meetings more than they used to for that very reason, because creativity seems to really be enhanced and increased. And if you're somebody that is a runner or a walker, and you've gone for a walker run with a problem, you may have found that it's easier to come up with solutions that are creative to the, to the problems you're trying to figure out and solve when you go for a walk or a run. Um, so that's why. Um, let's talk about memory. Um, you know, I mentioned neuroplasticity. Let's talk about neurogenesis, okay? Neurogenesis is the creation of new nerve cells, new brain cells, new neurons. Um, it was thought um, for a while, for a long while, that the brain stopped the ability to grow new neurons or new brain cells once you became an adult, that you could only, you know, childhood and infant years were the only time that new brain cells were created or developed. Um, but that research is not that clear anymore. In fact, there are studies that seem to indicate there's definitely a possibility that new neurons are developing in the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain where we form our new memories. And um, it's also the learning center of the brain. So, and it seems to happen very much in response to aerobic exercise. Um, this is still something that's being looked at and studied to try to understand why and how that happens, um, and also to find a way to combat um, the neurodegenerative diseases that are plaguing our society. Um, you know, one impact of exercise that we have to think about um, is the epigenetic impact. You know, I might, I've, you might remember me mentioning epigenetics before. Um, it's basically the understanding that our genes are there, um, but they can be turned on or off. And epigenetics are the, it's kind of the science of studying what things trigger our genes, certain genes to be turned on and certain genes to be turned off, so to speak, um, or to be coded and transcribed or not coded and transcribed. So what, how our environment tells our genome what genes to activate, basically. So one thing we see is that there is something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, that's BDNF, that when we exercise, the genes are flipped on to increase its production. So exercise turns on the increase of the production of that 
factor. Um, and that factor is very pivotal as a key ingredient in the process of new brain cell growth. And it's very much impacted by exercise. So that is one of the reasons that exercise really impacts the brain is this chemical BDNF is increased. And so we see so much in terms of um, new nerve cell growth, brain cell growth, um, creativity, plasticity. Um, also looking at different studies that look at size of the brain, there's even more layers of evidence that show um, that there's an impact from exercise. Uh, people who um, exercise actually, uh, when they've looked at older populations, those who exercise compares with those who don't exercise, um, people who exercise have larger brain volume than those who don't. Um, there's generally a decline in brain size as we get older, but that is not seen as much or even seen at all in people who exercise regularly. Um, one recent study looked at, um, did MRIs of, let's see, this was more recently, this, they did MRIs of over 10,000 healthy adults. Um, and they had those people self-report their levels of physical activity, which, you know, that's a limitation to a study when you have that because people don't have the best memories, but that is a large number of people. So they did MRIs of 10,125 healthy adults. And um, basically, they looked at those who increased how many days a week did those people um, get at least 10 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity. So their pulse rate was high, they're breathing hard for at least 10 minutes. And they kind of set their cutoff pretty low. Okay, the bar was low here to get into the active group for this study. It was basically at two and a half days a week. So um, people who were defined for the purposes of this study as physically active were people who exercised 2.5 days a week for 10 minutes of increased resp respiration and pulse rate. Um, now, I do want to say that's a lot lower than what's recommended in the current guidelines because we see such increase in benefits when we go higher than that. But for this study, that's all they looked at is the difference in this small amount of exercise compared to zero exercise. And what they found is that, um, at, well, and I will say it, you know, three fourths of the group that did exercise did it four days a week. So they weren't as low as 2.5, but they just included those who only exercised 2.5 days a week. But what they found is even after they adjusted for a lot of possible confounding factors, um, those who had increased days of moderate to vigorous activity had a correlation of larger normalized brain volume in multiple regions of the brain, including their total gray matter, their white matter, their hippocampus. Remember, I said that's the learning um, and memory center of the brain, also in their frontal and parietal and occipital lo lobes. So that's that's actually pretty interesting when you, especially when you consider how little, how low the bar was in comparing um, the difference in these two groups. So um, good to know, right? Um, another thing that we can look at in regards to exercise in the brain is its impact on anxiety and depression. Um, you know what? One thing that is commonly said in terms of a good way to summarize the impact on mood. Um, from exercise is that in the short term, exercise is kind of like taking a Ritalin for attention and a Prozac 
for antidepressant effect combined. So exercise can really have an impact on the ability you have to focus, as well as an impact on your overall mood and improving it. Um, and, and that seems to be backed up through pretty much any study that's been done looking at exercise and its impacts on anxiety and depression. In fact, there are a number of studies that show um, exercise being um, equivalent to um, antidepressant medicine in um, depression for treatment of depression. Now, that being said, some people have depression that's so significant they cannot really begin to exercise. So definitely want to talk to your physician about um this condition, if it's something that you're dealing with, so that you can get, um, be sure that you're safe and get treatment. Um, and sometimes a combined use of exercise and antidepressants seems to be very effective. But that's definitely something to consider if you're not exercising, adding exercise in. So, um, you know, we're not even, we haven't even touched on the endorphin benefits. Um, if you've heard of the quote unquote runner's high, um, these are endorphins, which are secreted in exercise. They're also really good for you. Um, the things that give people the quote runner's high. Um, and looking more at the benefits in brain function, um, we can look at what's what we call um, executive function and long-term planning and the brain's ability to do those kind of like higher level um, planning and decision making and prioritization, that kind of thing. And it's been found that even just one episode of physical activity can improve your brain's executive function, which includes, you know, memory, concentration, emotional resilience and regulation, your speed in which you can process thoughts, and your ability to plan and organize. So if you're just kind of feeling, you know, discombobulated and having a hard time, um, you know, figuring out a lot of things going on, maybe maybe it feels overwhelming, a lot of decisions and, and planning you have to do, just go get some serious exercise. And you might find the on the other side of that, you're able to really tackle the problems that you're sorting through much easier. And the stress relief and antidepressant effects, like I said before, are pretty impressive. Um, another study showed that um, aerobic exercise about 30 minutes a day can be as effective as taking an antidepressant. And I mentioned that a, a minute ago, but um, just touching on that again. Um, so this brings us to dementia. So if you're someone that is concerned with improving your health span, now as opposed to lifespan, health span is the number of years in which you are healthy enough to enjoy um, your normal um, quality of life that you're used to. It's the length of your healthy life before you find yourself um you know, more disabled or struggling with the effects of chronic disease. So we want to focus on increasing our health span. Um, so if that's something you are interested in, you're going to need to think about your long-term brain health and lowering your dementia risks. And a lot of studies have found that people with relatively high levels of endurance, regardless of their age, perform better on tests of thinking and memory than people who are out of shape physically. Um, and there are other studies that associate better fitness with a lower risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. And they've looked at people who carry the ApoE4 gene, which um, does increase your risk of developing Alzheimer's compared to those who don't have the ApoE4. Um, and those who exercise had less amyloid plaque buildup compared to the ApoE4 carriers who did not exercise. And the amyloid plaque buildup is something that is correlated with um, increased disease in Alzheimer's. So that's why people who um, 
clinicians often prescribe regular exercise to people with those kind of brain disorders, including Alzheimer's, but also to those with Parkinson's and epilepsy, and as mentioned above, anxiety and depression. And in regards to Parkinson's, there was a research team that tracked Parkinson's patients and found they found that those who walked three times a week for eight weeks increased the numbers of dopamine receptors in the basal ganglia. Now you're thinking, well, what's the basal ganglia and why does that matter? Well, and why do dopamine receptors matter? Well, the reason that they matter is because the basal ganglia in Parkinson's disease is the area that is impacted by the disease. Um, And in that area of the brain, there is a degeneration of dopaminergic neurons, okay? Um, Dopamine is one of the neurotransmitters. It's one of the messengers in the brain between the nerve cells. And when exercise is happening, they have seen those numbers of dopamine receptors go up in the area that typically is associated with Parkinson's damage. Um, So that can be really good and beneficial. And that's something to talk about with your physician if that's something that concerns you. So all that being said, I hope that all these benefits to exercise and what it does for your brain and how um, helpful it can be in so many ways encourages you despite the cold to just bundle up and get outside and go for a walk or a run, um, hopefully today or tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you all have a great couple weeks. Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. First, please leave a review for me. This is how people find the podcast. Secondly, y'all sharing is caring. You can actually easily share this episode or podcast entirely with a friend. Just text it to them. Lastly, if you're looking for more encouragement and direction from me, go sign up for my free newsletter. It's called The Extra Helping. You can go to www.joyfulweightloss.com. That's joyful spelled with two L's. And then when you're there, click on The Extra Helping to sign up. That's all for now, y'all. Don't forget to be sure you're subscribed and tune in again next week for more.